Welcome to Syntax, where we deliver tasty treats for web developers. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Syntax. We're here again for another sweet podcast full of tasty treats. This podcast is sponsored by FreshBooks Cloud Accounting. Go to freshbooks.com forward slash syntax and enter in syntax into the how'd you hear about a section. We'll hear a little bit more about them uh, partway through the show. Today, we're talking all about productivity hacks. How do you squeeze that extra little bit of time or productivity out of your computer, out of your workflow? These little things, these little uh, changes to your life, whether it's a specific app or whether it's uh, a way that you tackle something, um, can can really help you get an extra 20, 30, 40% out of the way. And sometimes you see these people and you go to like, how do you get so much done? Um, and it's almost like, it's almost always that they have some sort of system in place. They use a bunch of tools. They've spent the time focusing on their process and their productivity so that when they actually gets down to work, they can have a lot more output than normal. So uh, I'm a huge productivity geek. What about you, Scott? Yeah, it's one of those things you can't you can't ever get too much of. Well, I mean, you can probably get too much of it at yeah. some point, but it's one of those things you can really optimize so many things that you may not even understand are holding you back in various time time sinks and stuff like that. So, uh, finding ways to optimize and improve the little stuff is super duper duper handy, pretty much twenty four seven. Cool. So why don't we start off with uh, probably both of our favorite productivity tool, which is Alfred. Um, and Alfred is a does a lot of things, but the the thing that everyone knows it for is it's that application launcher where when you hit Option Space, it opens up this bar that you can type in, um, and you can type all kinds of stuff in there. Most likely you want to open up an application and it'll quickly pop it open so you're not rooting through your list of applications. Now, uh, OS X or Mac OS has totally ripped that off in the latest version. However, it's not nearly as good. So if you're using that, I definitely recommend you switch to Alfred. And let's talk about why. Why do you like it, Scott? What do you use it for? Yeah, I like it uh, for, well, in addition to like doing sort of custom workflows, there's just a lot of little handy extras. Uh, I mean, even doing all of your math directly in it, you can just do quick math, right? Quick math pops up. You don't have to open a calculator or anything like that. Actually, I think the Mac OS version can do that too. But it gives you a lot more options to have more of these type of things, right? And you can build your own custom ones directly within Alfred. Uh, one of the things I use Alfred most for is getting myself set up in a particular environment. You know, how many times, uh, let's say I'm working on a WordPress site, you have to go to your apps, or your doc, open up MAMP or whatever way you're serving your PHP. Um, and then you have to open up your browser, local host, port 8888, whatever. You have to do all that stuff. And I have mine, basically, I can just do you know, command enter and I can start typing MAMP, M-A, it will open up MAMP, it will open up a tab in my browser and it will just get me set up and started basically saving you a little bit of time here, right? Like three keystrokes uh, for doing something that would have taken, yeah, I don't know, half a minute to click through, but still uh, it's, it's saving you some time there because you don't have to do that you know, ever again. Also, I, I did, a, I use it a lot for browser tab stuff, right? Maybe there's sites you go to all the time, specific locations. And um, for a little while, I have like all these level up huts sites, right? I have my accounting stuff. I have my 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 uh, repos. And a lot of times if I'm working on level up huts stuff, I want all of it to be open. Um, mm -hmm. And I don't want to have to open up all of these tabs. I can just do, you know, Alfred and then type in LUT, hit enter, and it opens up everything I could need from my accounting stuff uh, to my app, to my dev, to my repos, any of that stuff in the browser, and it will open up iTerm and all that stuff for me. Yeah, it, it may seem like a bit of like overkill to, to, to schedule these things. Yes, you're saving half a minute, and that probably will add up over your lifetime and allow you to retire early or something silly like that. But I think also just the, the mental energy of thinking what is it like having to make all these decisions? You really only have so much bandwidth per day to make all of these decisions and to figure out what needs to be open. So if you can just like take yourself out of remembering those eight things that need to be open, um, it, it's sort of similar to when you're scripting maybe a gulp task or anything like that. It's way better to automate that process 
than to have to remember every single step along the way. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And like like you said, these things aren't going to be shaving a ton of time off, but it does make your life better on a consistent basis. And once you get into that muscle memory of, you know, I'm working on level up, LUT, enter, whatever. Okay, that's it. That's all I have to think about. And, and yeah, reducing that decision fatigue is, is where um, it'll make your decisions better for the rest of the day. Exactly. So Alfred comes with um, some built-in workflows. It comes with the ability to add other people's workflows. And you can also make your own, which is which is what Scott was just talking about. So there's this workflow editor, which allows you to uh, do everything from run terminal commands, which will allow you to output scripts to open up applications, to open up tabs in your browser, you name it, it comes with all of that stuff built in. So being able to customize workflows and um, select other people's workflows that are handy um, is is amazing. So maybe let's talk about some of the other workflows that we use. Um, do you have any or do you want me to go? Uh, you can go. For me, I, I pretty much write all my own workflows, which I'm thinking now is probably a terrible idea because <laughs> I'm, I'm starting, you know, from scratch every time. Like, oh, I should should do this. Um, I guess I don't have the uh, the knowledge of like a Alfred re- repository of like excellent workflows. Like, I feel like um, that would be really helpful for me. Yeah. So if you go to alfredapp.com forward slash workflows, you'll see that there's tons and tons of different workflows that will integrate into um, some of the more common ones that I use is converting a hex to RGB or um, being able to do time zones. So if, for example, if I want to know what time it is in India or in China or in San Francisco or uh, in Denver, I just type TZ and then the name of the city and it's going to automatically uh, pop down a list of all the times. So like, you know, like those people and I do this myself when you Google something like what is $100 Canadian in US or what is the time in India right now? And you have all these things that you Google. Well, you shouldn't even have to wait for your browser tab to open. You should be able to access that information right from your Alfred. Um, and doing time zones with the time zone one um, and doing the, there's a conversion one that I use all the time for converting money, converting kilometers, converting kilograms to pounds. All of you Americans have the most messed up system for measuring things. <laughs> so I always need to convert it into a sane metric uh, or Canadian dollars. Uh, and that saves me tons and tons of time. We know this. I mean, we know these. <laughs> these. Like, I, I wish so desperately we could just abandon it all and head to the metric system. I don't know if it'll, it'll ever happen. I know. <laughs> um, oh, man, I, I can't believe I didn't know about this. Yeah, uh, I've used Alfred since like version one, and I've never seen this page on their website. I guess I downloaded it, installed it, and then that was the last time I went to their website. Yeah, there's there's one called kill. You, you know, sometimes you need to kill a process mm-hmm. and you open up your activity monitor and you hunt through it and you find your node process and you kill it. Um, there's one where you just type kill and it'll populate all of your node processes and you can just type node and then you'll find all the node processes or anything that has the word node in it. It is like a fuzzy search and you can kill them right from Alfred, which I, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you use this, uh, pack packle? Oh, uh, that's the one I used to use. Yeah. But Cause it looks like Alfred still links to there. When you, when you go ahead and, and click off to them. So yeah. I was just manually downloading them. Um, but that's terrible because they'll never update. So this Packle is sort of like NPM for Alfred packages, so you can uh, you can install them. There's the ones for Spotify and iTunes. There's a whole bunch of themes on there. I have my own Cobalt 2 theme for Alfred. Um, it's pretty pretty nuts, all the different workflows that, that go into it. Nice, um, yeah. Some other tips that I use on here is large text quickly. So uh, sometimes you just need to, I do this all the time when I'm teaching and, and uh, I need to get a URL to everybody or I need to post the Wi-Fi password or I need to like post something huge on the screen. Um, in Alfred, you just open it up and you type your thing and then you hit, I believe it's command. Yeah, you hit command L and it will just take whatever you've typed into Alfred and put it in big white letters with a black background all over your, your screen. So um, kind of neat. I've also used it. Uh, like on an airplane when you can tell people are watching what you're doing. You just <laughs> type into it, stop watching me, and then it goes huge <laughs> nice. on the screen. 
Um, what else? A, a little tip when you're doing math, you can turn on the ability to ignore commas. So often I'll, I'll copy paste like 2000 USD and that will have a comma after the two. Uh, you can turn off the ignoring of, or you can turn on ignoring of commas so that it will do the math and ignore the actual commas for you. Um, cool. I'm just trying to think about, there's so many that I've used here and I'm all excited about it now that there's some, some other ones here. Uh, font awesome lookup. Um, I know that you're not supposed to use Font Awesome anymore because SVG is the way to go. But if you still have a website with Font Awesome um, and you need to know what is the class, like FA-Twitter, um, the Font Awesome workflow, you just type FA space and then you can just like uh, search for the name of the thing that you want. So arrow, play, whatever it is. And I love that because I hate going to the Font Awesome website and looking at the 12,000 icons that are, are available there and searching through it this uh leads me to another thing uh entities html entities yes is there one for that there is there's a okay there's a, I've all used a widget for that and i'd be psyched to not have to use a there's widget like a decode and encode so you you pop in an entity like uh and uh how'd you like my <laughs> french accent there yeah like yeah that. you're welcome I mean, you uh, are Canadian. There's yeah. a little bit of that there. So it will it will kick out the uh, HTML entity. It will kick out the like. There's like two other ways to encode it, like Base64 encoded and like another way. And then if you put an encoded uh, value in there, you can decode it into whatever the equivalent is uh, on there. So that one is I use that one quite a bit as well. Nice. Yeah, that's a, there's, you know, having to remember the uh, right angle quote or rank or whatever, but having to remember those is no fun. Yeah, exactly. Here we go. I have a, I have a screenshot on my workflows on my westboss.com forward slash uses. Um, dev docs, that's another really good one. So if you need mm -hmm. the docs real quick for array.push, uh, you just type JavaScript space push and it will bring down all the documentation for whatever methods uh, specifically match that one. Uh, let's see what else do we have here. Kill. I'm looking on uh, this this uh, Packle site and I see like a Stack Overflow search. I could see that being super useful. Obviously, you could search just like limit your query to Stack Overflow, but it seems like this is just a nice way of making that super seamless. Yep. There's one for turning on. There's a lot of that just turn on and off things. So turn on sleep, turn on flux, turn on mm -hmm. Wi-Fi, whatever you turn off Bluetooth, you know, you want to toggle these things really quickly. There's a lot of workflows that will just turn these things on and off real quickly. Nice. So yeah, big fan. Super, super handy. Oh, I remembered one more and that is, uh, Alfred has this built in and it's the uh, clipboard history. So, mm -hmm. um, if you don't mind some application, uh, keeping log of all of your clipboard, um, you can, have a clipboard history anywhere. I know Sublime Text and a lot of editors have clipboard history built in, but if you copy something and then you accidentally copy something else and you lose whatever was in your, your clipboard, this will give you um, a list of, I don't know, 10 or 20 of your previous clipboard items and you can always get them back, which is really save me, saves me all the time. Yeah, so I'm going to blow your mind here with an alternative to this. Yes. Um, this is an app that used to be called, well, it was an app called Clip Menu, and it existed for a long time. It was free. It was just sort of existed. And uh, actually, it might not have been free. But either way, I hadn't seen an update in forever. And when I went to use my new computer, I found out it didn't, the, there's no way to install it. The installer was totally broken. So I started to explore some new alternatives to Clip Menu, and I found this app, which is actually Clip Menu open sourced with a ton of updates called Clippy. So the uh, get uh, the page is Clippy C L I P Y hyphen app dot com. And Clippy is basically the uh, continuation of this clip menu app that I use so much. And it is totally configurable. You can say, hey, use, uh, remember the last 100 things I copied. Whoa. It can, it can copy uh, rich media. It can paste in like images know, and stuff. Text, images and stuff. Um, it's pretty darn sweet. You can also, I actually use it as my primary like global snippets manager. Um, the keyboard shortcut on your computer is just command shift V. So that's super easy to use compared to command V, command shift V. And you get all of your history, your past hundred things, and then your snippets, which you can organize into folders and stuff like that, which I, I use 
pretty pretty frequently um but there's the preferences if you don't want it to copy rich media you don't want it to save the last 100 things uh you can have it save the last 10 things if you want but it's open source so uh you've github.com forward slash clippy forward slash clippy double forward slash clippies uh, but if you go there, you can see it's totally open source. So uh, you don't have to worry about them like sending your uh, clipboard history off to another service because you can go look at the source if you want to. This is um, really sweet. I just I just installed it um, and yeah. I'm super excited for that because, yeah, sometimes I have like like three or four elements in sketch and I, I copy them and then I want to copy mm-hmm. something else by accident. I want to still get those elements back. So it sounds like this will do that. I use this thing uh, literally 24-7. I think like uh, most of the time I'm pasting anything, it's, it's, you you just start to, you use your computer differently. I copy things freely. Like if I see something, just command C, command C, command C, whatever. You never know when you're going to need it. Yeah. And then uh, it's always just hanging out in my last 100 clipboard items. It's pretty easy to find. And you can even navigate it by keyboard and stuff like that. So this is what I use for my clipboard management. Wow. This, that's great. This is like the whole show there. I'm, I can't believe that I had never heard of that. Yeah, I well, it it only it took me getting this new computer to have to find an alternative to Clip Menu, which uh, I was just so excited to see that it was one open source, like the creator allowed it to be open sourced, and two that it was so excellent. <laughs> so yeah, pretty psyched. Pretty sweet. So cool. that's that's Alfred. There's so much that goes into Alfred. It even has its own snippets manager built into it. Um, I use something else for that as well. Um, but check it out if you haven't done Alfred. It's worth spending a little bit of little bit of time with it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's talk about to do apps. What do you use for? Do you use a to do app? If so, what do you use? Yeah, I have uh, one of the world's worst short term memories. Uh, I actually, uh, my wife is a a, uh, a doctor of psychology, and and she has done more. Uh, you know, tests on me than I can, you know, possibly comprehend while she was getting her degree here. And in one of the tests, she found out that my short term memory is so bad that it prevents me from having an IQ. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm really good in some areas and really deficient in other areas. Huh. And the short term memory totally kills like uh, some aspects of my, <laughs> my IQ test. So uh, I have the world's worst short term memory. And uh, because of that, uh, I need a to-do manager like crazy. So I use Todoist, which is a site and native app. Well, it's an Electron app, and there's a really excellent uh, both Android and iOS app for it. And uh, as far as it goes, it's it's feature-rich enough that it's a, a, a brilliant to-do list with sorting and categories and filters and whatever. Uh, but it doesn't overwhelm you with being too... Um, too much stuff. It's not trying to do too much stuff. It's not a repository for everything. Yeah, you can. It's essentially a to-do list, and you can schedule and time and um, collaborate on things with other people. And I, I use it so heavily that my daily to-do list is pretty much planned out on there twenty-four-seven. And uh, anything that I need to accomplish ends up on there first. I use it for sorting of issue queues and stuff like that on projects I'm working on to remember. And uh, I use it for planning my level up tutorial series. I use it for everything, um, restaurants that I want to go to, whatever. If I need to remember anything, it goes into Doist because I'm sure as hell not remembering it otherwise. This looks sweet. Do you, are you paying for it or is it free? Yeah, I'm paying for it. I've been paying for it for maybe two years now. Uh, a big fan as far as to-do list apps go. I like it because it's, it's simple but has uh, enough features. I think yep. that's sort of the, the sweet spot is uh, what you want it to do sort of thing. Yeah. For me, I don't I don't want uh, this monolithic sort of thing that does a whole bunch of stuff other than to-do lists. You know, I tried using things like Trello to manage to-do lists, and it just did too much stuff that wasn't... Um, wasn't a to-do list for me, right? Yeah. Uh, not that Trello isn't an amazing tool for all sorts of other things, but uh, for to-do list, I use Todoist. Big fan, big fan. That's pretty sweet. Um, this looks very similar to what I use, and I use a thing called Things, and Things is a to-do app, um, and I've used it for probably eight, ten years now, forever. Uh, it's funny, nice. like I bought it, I think seven years ago, I finally broke down and bought it, and uh, after 
seven years they released things for, which is just about a week or two ago. Um, and I yeah, easily bought it, no problem. Um, I was super happy with it. So Things is a to-do application for OS X, and I believe there's a Windows version, but there's one for, for iOS as well, and they'll sync together. Um, and the whole idea behind Things is this uh, philosophy called getting things done. And if I highly recommend that you read the book by David Allen called Getting Things Done. Um, it was just re-released for like sort of like a modern like email-based era. It's been around forever. It's like kind of this cheesy, like corporate thing mm -hmm. that like if you work at a bank, you you wear it. And um, it's as cheesy as it is. It's really really good for anyone who has uh, problems getting things done, being overwhelmed with the amount of stuff, forgetting things. Uh, unable to to focus on on the task at hand. So the the whole idea behind getting things done is uh, you get it out of your head and into your system. So if it's if you're trying to like use mental energy to remember these things, um, that's bad. So you should put it into your inbox, which is things has the concept of an inbox, and you just dump it in there. Um, and then once you are in things, once it's out of your head and once you have some time, uh, you have the ability to assign these things, these tasks, to different aspects of your life. So they're called projects in things. So uh, you can drag them into specific projects. So I have one for things that I need to do for my own course platform, things I need to do for the podcast, things I need to do for um, my entire life, like things that need to be fixed around the house and whatnot. Um, and then every day or what I'll do is I'll open up things and there's a today section and then you drag things out of your um, you can drag things out of your different projects and put them into today so you know exactly what's on your plate what order you can tackle them in on they're still associated with a certain aspect of your life but you can you have sort of like a, a order of operations and um, there's a whole lot more to it. You can assign dates to things. You can have attachments. You can put notes on them. And I don't use that stuff all that much. That's part of why I like things is that it's it will allow you to go as deep as getting things done will let you. But on the surface, is, surface it's very, very simple. There's another big one out there called OmniFocus, which mm -hmm. is like if you can learn to use that, you're a monster because it's amazing. And it's just this like well-oiled machine. But it takes there's a, a big hump, and I found it was too hard to get over that hump of learning how it actually works. So uh, if yeah. you're interested in like getting things done, read the book and then get things or Todoist or any of these ones that have project-based tasks um, because it will definitely, definitely help you out and, and simplify your life. You don't have that anxiety of forgetting things or having too much on your plate. Yeah, and it looks like I'm... I'm uh, I I hadn't heard of things. I'd only heard of Todoist because obviously you find a solution that works and yeah. you you don't go searching for too much more. But it looks like they do the, the really the same thing. I'm hearing you talk about this and it's like exactly how it's, I it's use exactly the same Todoist. Thing. Yeah. yeah. So it's funny that we both have the same process. And I also uh, arrived at Todoist after uh, listening to getting things done, um, which I, I found to be just... For for me, like I said, with the short term memory issues, it is like it's brilliant when you uh, you feel like actually in control of things. So yeah, uh, getting things done is just a, a totally invaluable for productivity overall. Yeah, I, I would say I'm just looking at the the website now. Things is a one time fifty bucks for the app, Mac app, mm. ten bucks for your iPhone app, and twenty bucks for the iPad. Um, so huge downsides to that is there's no web interface. And if you move away from the Mac or an iPhone, then you are out of luck. So yeah. I would probably, if I was picking it up today, I would probably pick up Todoist. Yeah, um, Todoist, cross-platform, desktop, I, web, Android, iOS, Windows. Yeah. yeah. So don't don't get things. Get what it does, but don't buy it because uh, unless you're you're all in on the OS X and not not ever going to move. Cool. So that is that is our to do apps. Um, what do you got next for me, Scott? Yeah, let me check. Yeah. So here's something that I, I use a lot in a more web developer sense here. Um, I use a ton of aliases in my command line. So for I use iTerm with fish shell if you're using bash or whatever, any of these things you can set up aliases. And, you know, I, I don't know if 
if everyone sets up a lot of aliases, but if I'm if I'm typing something essentially more than a couple of times into my command line over the course of a, a couple months or whatever, I'll set up an alias for it. Uh, for instance, um, to even get the the any of my sites running, you know, typically you put in a, a script in your package file, which is you know npm start or whatever, and then you have to type in npm run start, and I. I'm so crazy about these aliases that I don't want to have to type in NBM run start. I want to type in start and have it just uh, run NBM yeah. run start. But in addition, I also have everything for Git, right? Um, you know, instead of doing Git add period or whatever the command that you use typically for your Git commits, I just do add com. I use com for commit, com, and then type the commit message. Then you don't have to write git commit hyphen m, then the commit message. Uh, just like little things like that that are really personalized for me. Like I'm not going to publish these things out and have everyone use them because they're, um, they're, they're terminal commands that I'm personally writing and they're not meant to be sort of globally used. Mm -hmm. And I found that writing these very, very personalized Git snippets or uh, uh, command line snippets can just like really, really just, I don't know, remove a lot of typing from your life, especially things you type a ton like a Git commands or NPM installs and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I use those quite a bit as well. Um, one specifically that I use all the time is, you know, when you, you start a new project and then you forget the git ignore and then you add a whole bunch of like dot files or whatever mm -hmm. doesn't need to go in the repo and then you have your git ignore, it's sort of too late. Uh, so I have this alias for like git, like oops or whatever I, I aliased it to and that will just remove anything that's in my dot file that I've previously added uh, to the repo. Yeah, nice. I saw uh, somebody had a, a hilarious snippet that was just like, or an alias that was just like, please. And all it did was like reran the previous command with sudo and whatever. So <laughs> you're, you're like, you don't have to type the command again or whatever. And you can just say, oh, I ran this. Oh, it gives you a permissions error. Please enter. Yeah. And like, I, th I just think that's hilarious. I just added a uh, card to our show ideas for the command line because we do a whole episode on command line stuff. Yeah. Okay. Well, then let's not get too much more into those. Then, uh, what else do you got? I know you uh, make heavy use of Text Expander. Yeah. So Text Expander is probably my most used application besides Sublime Text in the browser. Um, and I, th I find a lot of people don't really understand what it is because the the first thing that I hear from everybody when I talk about Text Expander is is like you know Mac OS X has that built in, um, and. <laughs> It, yes, it, it is obviously a text expander. So you write hi and hit tab or, or you write hi and don't even hit tab. It will just automatically expand it. That's the very basics of it. But uh, text expander is useful for a whole lot more stuff. So I primarily use text expander for coding. I've actually stopped doing snippets in Sublime Text and I've moved all my snippets over to text expander so that I can use them whether I'm on CodePen or another editor, no problem. Um, it has a clipboard paste into place. So like, let's say I have um, a support email. That's what I use it quite a bit for. And I want to reply to somebody with like a, a canned response. Um, I'll have a snippet for that. And uh, it will say, hey, your name. Thanks so much for the email. And then it will give them a, the canned response. Or even just that one little part. Hey, blah, blah, blah. Thanks so much for the email. That takes me like 10 seconds to write or one second with a snippet. So what I'll do is I quickly copy their name into my clipboard from the email, and then I'll hit the snippet, and then it will uh, automatically reply to them with their name in the thing. So it'll take whatever's in your clipboard and paste it right into this actual snippet. So it'll interpolate the actual data. So that is really sweet. Yeah, I I was going to start using Text Expander, and then they moved to the subscription model. Yeah, and then I just started googling Text Expander alternatives because like. I can't justify paying a subscription to that. I just yeah, I'm can't. still on the the one time payment. I I hate that all these apps. That's part of why I like things. I don't like that all these apps are moving to a subscription model. I'd much rather yeah. pay for it once and be done with it and not have it uh, chip away at me every single time. There is a really nice uh, alternative to Text Expander that's called. Let me find it. Uh, while you're looking, I think mean, speaking of apps that are productive that have gone to a subscription model, uh, I used to use Ulysses 
all the time, which is just like a basic note-taking app, but it's really nice. It has like nice syncing features. It has a, uh, you know, markdown support and stuff like that to make really nice looking notes. You can download themes for it. I know uh, I'm a sucker for themes for stuff. <laughs> so, uh, but they just went subscription model and I can't believe it because it's not that, like I already paid for this app. I paid yeah. a decent amount for the app and now it's subscription model and I'm just like, <sighs> yeah, it's I'll brutal. Write, I'll write my own. I'll write my own electron note taking app. <laughs> yeah, I, I get it because they need to like continually pay or they want to make more money. But I just hate. I love being able to pay for it once, and then every time you have a major update with some nice new features. Um, yeah, major the update to, yeah. to do it. So the alternative is called A Tax, and it's five bucks one time payment. Um, I used that for maybe a year until I got pretty heavy into. Uh, some of the stuff that Text Expander did, and then I had to actually buy it because. Um, so let me talk about some of the other stuff that it has. It has drop down variable data. So um, one thing I used to do for student discounts before I, I've completely automated the student discount process right now. But before I used to uh, reply to them, and they would say, "Hey, can I have a student discount?" And then I would I would say, "Hey, blah blah blah, clipboard name." Uh, thanks for the email. And then I would like ask them a question about uh, about their school, depending on how much information they've given me. So if they've left out some information or if they've given it all to me, I want to say that sounds really interesting, whatever it is. So what, what it will do is it'll pop up this little interface and give you a drop down of like six or seven possible questions. And then uh, we're able to select one of those and it will, it will insert it in. So sometimes your snippets aren't just current carte blanche is that a thing so you have to be able to make them a little bit variable and having this possible drop down of options um, is is super helpful in text expander and then the final one i use is called case sensitive expansions so i, I always say let me know and you type lmk and it'll expand to, to let me know but uh sometimes i'll be it'll be in a sentence where it says um, I'm getting them Tuesday, so let me know if you want in. So that's all mm. lowercase. But then I might have a sentence that says, let me know if you're interested in coming. So that's capital let me know. So Text Expander will allow you to say like capital L, M, K, lowercase. And then that will expand to the proper case, which is super helpful. You don't have to spend time going back and, and correcting any of the stuff that it has. So uh, if you think Text Expander is just expanding Take a little bit more time uh, looking into it because um, time invested in that error is always paid back. Nice. Yeah, I, it's amazing how those like that little like that case sensitive thing. Yep. It's amazing how those like little things just add up to be such like nice quality of life improvements. Uh, today we are sponsored by FreshBooks. FreshBooks is the bee's knees for any time that you need to do your books with a small business, medium-sized business, large business, whatever it is, keeping track of your invoices and different currencies, being able to expense, being able to remind. One of my favorite features is the uh, the like robot reminder. So if you've got a client that's not paying, you can log in, you can see that they've logged in, uh, and then you can make FreshBooks follow up for you so you don't have to. And that really like saves a little bit of your relationship. So it's not you that's shaking down a, a non-paying customer. It's uh, the system or the robot that will shake them down and say, hey, reminder, this is an unpaid invoice. Make sure make sure you pay it. Um, they've got online payments as well. I use Stripe and PayPal credit cards right on my invoices so people can pay them right through there. Uh, really great. Go to freshbooks.com forward slash syntax to get a 30-day free trial. Make sure you enter in syntax into the how did you hear about section so Scott and I can uh, feed our family and pay for our MacBook Pros. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what else do you have? Yeah, so um, this is this is one that is uh, a little less techy. I use pen and paper pretty heavily. I use a uh, graphing paper, like one of those big old graphing notebooks. And uh, I always have a pen and a graphing notebook handy at like all times to jot down notes, to plan, to draw things out. Um, because, you know, you could open up an app and start drawing out some diagrams in the app or whatever on a tablet. But to me, like the ease of use of not having to turn it on and grab it, pick it up and just start drawing or, or writing is uh, is really important for me. 
because like I said, short-term memory, things come in, they go out very quickly. So I uh, commit it to paper and then I'll make a further organization of those notes into Todoist if it requires me to uh, do any further action on it. But uh, pen and paper is extremely, extremely, extremely important for uh, um, remembering ideas and keeping things, getting things down and uh, just keeping stock of everything. Yeah, I used to use pen and paper quite a bit. I had like a moleskin where I would take notes in it. And um, I've since moved to just using Evernote for that. But I definitely miss the the freedom and the distraction list that, that pen and paper gives you. So maybe I need to give it another shot. Yeah, and part of the problem with like a moleskin is there's still a barrier to entry, right? You got to open it up. Like I'm using like a spiral, big full sheet graph paper, and so like it's always open, and there's always a pen sitting on it. So uh, like I don't, I don't even have to open it up. I, I just open the cap off the pen and start writing. So I think go. the ease of use is uh, important for me there. But yeah, that's definitely definitely something I use all the time. Uh, yeah, what about you? Anything um, else? I've got quick one right now, which is video speed controller for Chrome. So uh, I've talked previously about watching content at 1.5, 2x, even 3x in, in some cases. Um, and what video speed controller will do is it'll hitch on to any HTML5 video, which is almost every single video on the web now. And it will give you this little uh, tool where you can increase the speed playback rate of the video. Um, as well as jump around in it. So I find that both very helpful because on YouTube, you can skip ads really quickly. You can hit it once and it's past that five second wait time. Um, and second, if you are watching anything, I, I never watch anything at one X. It's always at two, two and a half, three X. Um, and that is huge for being able to consume content quickly. I find that I often close stuff down when it's one X because I get bored of it and I, I find myself drifting Whereas if it's way faster, I'm I'm paying attention and getting a lot more, got getting a lot more in, which is terrible for conferences now because I go to a conference and I'm sitting there being like, this is so slow. On, I could probably moving. get this done in 20 minutes with speed and jumping. <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah, I, I do. I mean, I, I do all that podcast at 2x and all that stuff, too. So um, definitely one of those things that can help you get through stuff. That is if you can like focus on it. Sometimes if it goes too fast, you'll start to gloss over a little bit as well. So maybe it's a little bit about finding that sweet spot that you personally can handle. Mm -hmm. um, I'm sure it's a little bit about like speed reading, too. It just like takes practice. It, uh, it yeah. definitely takes a lot of practice, maybe a year to get out to 2x, but it's it just inch it up by 10% every single time that every couple of weeks and you're going to learn your brain will will catch up no problem. Yeah. Let's talk about uh keyboard shortcuts because um keyboard shortcuts are are really important for a lot of reasons and in, in memorizing the keyboard shortcuts you don't have to take your hands off the keyboard to work. Uh but one thing I like to do is I'm not afraid to modify keyboard shortcuts in applications and really set up things that I do all the time. Uh, for instance, I edit a ton of videos. If you've seen any of the thousands of videos on my YouTube channel, uh, I edit all those by myself. And uh, for editing, uh, you're frequently wanting to cut the video and then maybe roll up the uh, current time to where the playhead is and stuff like that. And those keyboard shortcuts on uh, Mac OS X, they'd be like command bracket, command right bracket, or um, I don't even know what the blade tool one is, but I use those all the time. And so what I did is I moved those to even just straight keys without modifiers because you don't type really in Final Cut that much. So I have the C key for cut, the X key for um, to move up, the uh, cut up until, and then the Z key for the opposite of that. And I edit videos like I'm playing the piano. I never take <laughs> my hands off of those three keys and I move my mouse to control the playhead and I just click, 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 and I'm just tapping. Uh, and I've gotten so good at it, but I wouldn't. it wouldn't be possible if you had to do command bracket or whatever, take your hands off of their current orientation. I can just leave them on those keys and really chop up videos so quickly. But it you know, if somebody else came in to use my setup, they might be like, what the heck is going on here? Yeah. Um, but it's your setup, right? If it's your yeah, setup, cares? it's going to make it a lot easier. The things you do all the time, make them easier for yourself with keyboard shortcuts. Oh, that's a really good one. And so do you set those, do you set those shortcuts in the app itself? 
Yeah, it depends. Uh, Final Cut uh, has really nice key mapping. So uh, for that, I use the uh, the in-app version. I think there's uh, most of the time, yeah, most of the time things. Sometimes uh, it just sends you right into the Mac OS settings for keyboard shortcuts, and you do it in there. Depends on whatever the app is. Pretty sweet. Um, so I have got a lot on keyboard shortcuts here. So previously in episodes, I've talked about using something called carabiner elements, which will allow you to map your caps lock, which is a useless key. No one needs a caps lock key. It'll map it to the combo combo of shift control option command. And that will give you a sort of a fifth modifier key that will allow you and it's no apps will ever use that. Uh, so you can do caps lock. Q, caps lock A, caps lock arrow uh, over and over and down. So I use carabiner to map it. And then I use, uh, what is it called? Better touch tool to Mm -hmm. map all of those uh, keyboard shortcuts to launching applications, to minimizing windows, to to snapping windows to the left to the right, to moving to, to different monitors, all kinds of different stuff that I have for for launching different apps and, and moving around my windows is is super helpful. And you never have to worry about it overriding any of the built-in uh, keyboard shortcuts. So definitely check that out if you're you're interested in it. Um, nice. Yeah. And then I just wanted to talk about like like keyboard shortcuts that everybody should know. Um, part of teaching in person um, makes me realize that most people don't know any shortcuts. So like a little tip is whenever you're in an application just open up the menus and click on all of them. And they always have the keyboard shortcuts uh, beside them. So for whatever action you're trying to take, take a second and figure out what the, the keyboard shortcut is. Um, but there's a couple that are just like system wide that a lot of people don't necessarily know. Um, and it's like it's sort of like beginner stuff. But I think a lot of people just don't even are totally oblivious to actually having them. So yeah, some of these are infuriating when you see people giving like a conference talk. Yeah, and they're not using one of these like basic keyboard shortcuts. You're like, oh man, why are you doing that? that Stop could be so touching much- your mouse. Yeah, yeah. Like, the one that gets me all the time is uh, I'll have students drag their windows around. Oh. So like they'll they'll have their editor, and then they'll have a, a browser, and then they'll drag the browser like off enough that so that they can see it and then they'll drag drag their browser back up and so that they can get back to their code and they're just constantly like shuffling papers around uh on their desk with all these different apps when the two that everybody should absolutely know is command tab or alt or whatever it is on windows control control will open up your app switcher so you can hold down command and just keep hitting tab to switch between all of your apps or, or use your arrow keys to to switch between the two. Um, and then the the lesser known one is command backtick will allow you to cycle between multiple windows of that app. So you got three versions of Chrome open or you got two sublime text windows open. If you need to cycle between those two, you hit command backtick and that will do the same thing as command tab, but for only that application with multiple windows open. Yeah. Uh, another one, very simple. Uh, you probably use it all the time. In most applications, Command T, if it has a tab, will take you to a new tab. Um, so Command T is something I use all the time, right? Because working with tabs is pretty common. Yeah, and Command Shift T, if you accidentally close a tab, it'll mm-hmm. reopen the the latest tab. Yeah, um, Command Shift T is uh, definitely a big one. Another one that gets me when people don't do is uh, being able to move around your text editor or your email or just text with your cursor quickly. You shouldn't have to like move your mouse and click where you want to go. You should be able to jump by word by word and and move along. So first, actually, I tell people to uh, go into your keyboard settings and uh, crank up the key repeat as fast as it goes so that when you hold down your arrow key, it just flies instead of you waiting there and look, looking at the screen. Um, and then second, if you use um, what do we got here? I don't even know what the keys are. I have to look at my my actual hand. Uh, if you want to jump word by word, you just hold down Option and use your arrow keys, and that's much faster than moving letter by letter. Um, and then you can use Command arrows to move line by line, so to the front of the line or the end of the line. 
uh, nice and quickly. And if you want to select the text in any of these combos, you hold down shift. shift. So I'll put these all in the show notes. Uh, yeah. Because you should learn all of them. <laughs> and this is one that I use all the time in VS Code uh, for to copy a line or to move a line. So if you hold down uh, in, in like VS Code, I don't know if it's the same with other text editors. I guess I would assume that it is. If you hold down Option and hit the up or down key, it's moving that particular line up and down. Found a lot of people don't use that. Another one is if you hold Option Shift and hit up or down, it copies the line and moves it up or down one. So if you need to copy a particular line or you, you want to move a particular line, those two are, are used constantly by myself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, switching tabs between switching between tabs really quickly. Hold down Command Option. Use your arrow keys to switch between tabs. You need to if you need to jump to tab two or to tab three, just hit Command One. Command two, command three, command four. Those will jump to the first, second, third, and fourth tabs. Unless um, you're in VS Code. That's not <laughs> in by, VS Code? No, if you hit command two in, in VS Code, it takes you to a second window. And if you have one window, it opens up your tab in a new window or whatever. Uh, and so I actually, if you go to my GitHub, S. Talinsky, or the, the Level Up Tuts GitHub, I'll put it in the show notes. I actually have a key mapping uh, in my uh is it gists there? Gists? Gists? I think it's yeah. geosts. Geosts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, whatever that is. Uh, I have a snippet in there. You can paste it into your key bindings, and that actually successfully remaps one through nine to your one through nine tabs correctly. I, there's like eight open issues or even more than that on the VS Code, and they're, I don't know like what it is, if it's that it's like a Windows thing or what, but they're just sort of like, why would we want it to do that? Yeah. like That's how every other application is. I think that... <laughs> That's part of why Adam had such an easy win is that they just copied everything Sublime did. And then VS yeah. Code has a bit of different shortcuts. So you got to spend a bit of time relearning, which is always frustrating, but I guess worth it. Word. Uh, uh, yeah. Any more there? Killer keyboard shortcuts killer, or basic ones? I think that's that's all of my uh, keyboard shortcuts that I've got there. Um, I've got some, some other, like I guess, like softer ones. It's not necessarily an app, but um, sometimes I find myself just opening up Twitter or uh, doing command tab and opening up a website which just mindlessly like how many times oh, have yeah. you been on Facebook closed Facebook and then a new tab and type Facebook, Facebook and go <laughs> yeah. to it right yeah so, absolutely <laughs> uh, what I'll do is um, I'll rename my Twitter app every week to something like don't open this or uh, or I uh, deep work or what is something silly so that when I hit uh, option space TW Twitter does not pop up and allow me to open it mindlessly. I have to explicitly remember what I called it or find the icon. So as good nice. as Alfred is, it also uh, it will make that habit in your brain uh, concrete. So you have to do things to stop yourself from mindlessly opening up distractions. Yeah, so here's something along the same vein as a productivity thing. I use an app called Focus, heyfocus.com, where you can set it up and say, hey, um, do not allow me to visit any of these websites. And by default, it has all the big ones like Facebook and Twitter and uh, Reddit and whatever. I obviously have YouTube unblocked from there because I use YouTube professionally. Um, and then so uh, basically, if you open up a tab while you're focusing and you can set schedules and whatever, it gives you like a quote that is pretty much shaming you into working. <laughs> and it's not like an aggressive quote, but they're like, you know, they're inspirational quotes that make you think like, Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, and that's actually the worst because when you get that muscle memory and let's say you go to Facebook, you uh, you maybe you're focusing, right? I have focus turned on. I go to Facebook. It gives me the air. I close the tab. I do something. I hit the tab again. I go to Facebook. It gives me the air. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I just did this a second ago. <laughs> like uh, it can really make it apparent how many times you're browsing to this stuff uh, without even knowing it mindlessly, whatever. And this just really prevents you there. You can even block apps with it. I think it's Mac OS only. Um, no Windows. Sorry, Windows folks. Uh, but I'm sure there's a ton of other applications that do the same thing. Yeah, I but used yeah, to use one blocking called... yourself. Sorry. No, no. Continue. I used to use one called self-control, which will essentially just put an entry into your hosts file and yeah. block it, um, which is funny because you can't actually edit your host file. So if you're trying to do some dev work at the same time, you're out of luck. Um, but uh I switched to focus because it'll allow you to block apps as well, like TweetDeck or whatever that you're using on the on your desktop. 
Yeah, and you can turn on hardcore mode, which allows you to not be able to shut it off or change the settings if you're like, if you find yourself, hey, well, I'll just bypass it by quitting focus. And then the hardcore hardcore mode is going to say, uh, uh-uh, you know, it's the Jurassic Park Dennis Nedry in there. <laughs> That's pretty sweet. I'm just looking here if I've got any other... I have a whole email workflow called the breakout email management workflow. Maybe we'll save that for another podcast, sort of going into all the different pieces of it, um, how I manage my email or try to at least manage my email. Uh, so we'll we'll save that one for now. Um, I guess my last one that I have is just like automating uh, any sort of exports. I don't use this one a whole lot anymore, but um, sometimes when you do a design that's heavy on custom elements in Photoshop or Sketch, um, you need to export them, but then you make a change to the design. You need to re-export them. Um, in Sketch, this is pretty easy. You can just like you can just re-export them, and, and they'll go to the same folder and overwrite them. You can even script it uh, with some command line tools. Every time the file changes, you could like get a gulp task that will re-export your Sketch project. Um, but when I used Photoshop back in the day, there was one called Slicey, uh, and then you just name your layers like. Um, the back in the day, it was like button.png or hero.jpg, and then it will you just drop the PSD into Slicey, and it will kick out all of your actual values. So anytime the PSD changes, it will just regenerate all of those assets for you. You don't have to worry about like uh, you don't have to worry about slicing and dicing it up again. So that was a huge time save for me when I was doing that kind of work. Yeah, and along those same lines, uh, I know I mentioned Figma a bunch of times. In Figma, if you set all your exports or like assign a layer or a particular component to be exported, they have like a really nice export all button in the top right. And if you select that, it gives you just like a, a bunch of check boxes. So same thing, you can just re-export all of your things over and over again if you want that way, uh, just by s- putting all of your exports in one one spot. I guess Sketch kind of does that too, right? Yeah, it'll yeah, have, exactly. yeah, have all of your exports there. Yeah, absolutely. Pretty sweet. Um, and I guess the last one I have, is maybe you use something similar to this. I use something called Cloud App um, to take every time I take a screenshot, it will automatically upload it to Cloud App. Um, and you can also take video on it really quickly. You can take webcam video. You can put annotations on top of it. So anytime you're trying to get feedback, send somebody a screenshot of something, uh, you can drag and drop files right into this thing. Um, I, whenever I do a podcast with somebody like even Scott and I need to give them the audio, um, I just drag it into it. It gives you a link immediately and then it will upload it. I can go, uh, have a beer or something while the, the upload is actually happening. You don't have to worry. You don't have to wait for it to be finished in order to give them the link to something. So, uh, big fan. Do you use anything like that? No, no, I don't. Not really. I I have a, a separate, I use record it for recording gifts and, uh, sharing those for stuff, but I, uh, for the most part, I, I use Google Drive and just save everything there. And then you do have to wait for the the thing to upload to get those links. But uh, I did just get gigabit internet, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'm not waiting too long right now. But yeah, definitely that's pretty as, sweet. Uh, seamless. And another thing I use it for is like a GitHub issue. I'll take a quick animated GIF. Um, it will automatically host it, and then you can just embed that thing you just do the name the url i have west.io forward slash c949 and then you do forward slash content or forward slash hello.png or hello.gif and then it will just embed it right into that thing and you don't have to worry about it sometimes i've run into the issue it's gotten quite expensive and i don't have like i have like i pay like 20 bucks a month which i think is a bit too much um and then i still if i tweet something out and it gets popular then i still run out of bandwidth um, and then they like take it down, which is so frustrating because I know how much bandwidth costs and it's not $20 a month for me tweeting out a, a link to something. So that's, that's a bit of a downside to it, but for, for almost everything else, it's great. Nice. Cool. What about a sick pick? You got a sick pick here today, Scott? I have a sick pick. Uh, okay. So, uh, phone cases, right? They're sort of a necessary evil. Um, you have to, unless you're living life dangerously, you probably have some kind of phone case, which I have lived life dangerously a lot. I hate phone cases. I hate how bulky they make your nice phone feel. Um, like I, I have the Nexus 6P and hopefully um, 
it's a new Pixel phone it's very soon, right? But the phone feels so nice. The last thing I want to do is wrap the whole thing in a giant bunch of plastic. So uh, I found this case. It is incredible. It's the Rhino Shield. They have some awesome videos of them dropping them, and it's really just a bumper. Um, it, it's a thin plastic bumper. There's nothing on the front, nothing on the back. Uh, but it raises your phone up just enough. Like I've dropped this phone on concrete so many times and it, it looks brand new and you still have access to like the back of the device. So it still feels like a nice premium thing in your hand. It's not like a, just a giant chunk of plastic and it's not that thick. You, if you have wireless charging, which uh, so many Android fans do, and um, you wouldn't, <laughs> iOS fans are, don't experience the joys of wireless charging. No, like it, it still lets you have that wireless charging, wow. right? So uh, it, for me, it's Rhino Shield. I think it's called the Crash Guard bumper. But there's a ton of videos on YouTube of them testing their phones, just like dropping them and all sorts of stuff. And uh, I can personally attest that I have dropped this thing hundreds of times with this case and uh not a single scratch or dent on it so a uh, big fan that sounds pretty sweet yeah yeah my last time not having a phone case ended in like comic uh tragedy <laughs> it's like one of the <laughs> most ridiculous things of my life i was like trying to install a floodlight in the house and i was like a story up on a giant ladder and uh and so this is like it's a total cartoon here i had my phone i was so like careful with this phone uh i never ever broken it i was just like it didn't have a case i was just super careful with it this is the last time i had a phone without a case and i went to take the ladder down which is a giant tall ladder i take the ladder i trip over a garden hose the garden hose (laughs) oh no i'm sorry i didn't trip over the garden hose i kicked the garden hose because it was in my way like get out of here garden hose whatever (laughs) flies and it actually turns on because it's one of those handle ones and it's on the jet mode which sprays right at me i'm holding a giant ladder above my head so i drop the ladder on my head i drop the ladder and the hose is still spraying me and my phone falls out of my pocket and completely shatters and, and i'm sitting there like soaking wet and i get inside the house and my wife's just like hey what happened out there i heard a bunch of noise and i was just like I need I need 15 minutes here. <laughs> I can't talk about it. Uh, this some stuff just went down outside. So uh, oh. ever since then, I've been really good about a phone case because you never know when some like you know comic mischief is going to go down and you're going to be the victim. Yeah, I, I used to never have a phone case, and I dropped it one too many times. And uh, I dropped mine, and it bent the side, which means that mm. you can't go for like the hundred dollar Apple Store replacement. Just not the end of the world when when they can do that, but. Uh, I finally got, I don't know what it is, some black one. I'll have to check yeah. this one out, though. Yeah, they're cheap, 24 bucks or whatever. Um, yeah, I like them. Rhino Shield. Cool. Well, what about my you? sick pick is another book. So people seem to like the, uh, the what did I recommend last week or two weeks ago? I recommended the Essentialism book, uh, mm-hmm. The Disciplined Pursuit of Less. I'm going to re- recommend another one. It's called Deep Work, Rules for Focused Success in a Distracted World. So, um, I think that what is happening now in our society with all of the distractions that we have and the internet and, and everything going on is that um, it's no longer okay to be like the middle of the road at something. And it's no longer okay to just be mediocre at something. And there's a huge opportunity for you just to kick ass at whatever it is that you're doing in your job by learning to be more focused. Um, And that's the whole idea behind this deep work book is how do you uh, get into the state of flow? How do you get into the state where you are just uh, totally in your actual work and uh, going going at it 100 percent and not being distracted by all the other things that that go that are going on uh, in your life? And I I feel like you can get a huge competitive advantage um, in life if you're able to get yourself into that state of deep work. So um, I've read that. I've read it, uh, I think, twice now. I've recommended it to a whole bunch of people, and they've all said it's like a life-changing book. Um, it's it's really, really good. It's by Cal Newport, who I'll probably recommend a couple of his other books as well. But uh, if you feel like you are a little bit distracted or if you feel like you could probably get an extra 30% out of your day by not being so distracted and... Um, that could mean other things. A lot of times people think it's just people on Twitter too much, but uh, Twitter is part of my job. So I do, do do go on it quite a bit in the day. But 
other distractions, being able to get into that state of flow uh, where you're just cranking through work um, is is really great. So check it out. Now it's a nice topical sick pick. Yeah, for productivity. There you go. Yeah, look at that. Dang. Like like I said, I love this kind of stuff. Being able to squeeze a little bit of extra. I don't. I wouldn't say I'm a pro, but um, I'm definitely interested in it. And I always like to try apply different techniques. Nice. Yeah, I think there's a lot lot to learn there. Awesome. So I think that's it for today. Or do you have any uh, shameless plugs? Are you good for today? I'm good for today. Maybe next time. Yeah, I don't think uh, I don't think I have anything either. Um, we have been getting quite a bit of good suggestions for shows up on Twitter. So uh, if you have a topic that you'd like to hear us uh, confidently talk about, then uh, <laughs> even if we're not so uh, smart about it, then let us know. Tweet at me. I'm at West Boss. And Scott, you are at S. Tolinsky. Awesome. See you next time. See you. Head on over to syntax.fm for a full archive of all our shows. Don't forget to subscribe in your podcast player and drop a review if you like this show. Until next time, peace.